just a short while, we want to talk to you from Acts chapter 20 and Revelation 1, verse number 10. Not really dealing with all of the context of those particular texts on today, but we want to just pull out a, a topic on today concerning our last Sunday of the year. There are 52 Sundays in a year, 52. And if you mess around and miss half of your worship, you have worshiped 26 Sundays of the year. 52, God commands, demands for us to be here every Sunday that God gives us life. Not only God gives us the opportunity, but he prepares an avenue for us to be able to travel on, to make it here on Sunday morning. Must I say it is a privilege and an honor to be able to just be in the presence of God. Not only it's a privilege and an honor to just be in the presence of God, but it's a privilege and an honor that the God who is so high would allow us who are so low to be able to worship such a God like he is. I'm reminded in Isaiah, the chapter is 6. You don't have to go there. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah the prophet speaks about God and speaks about the host of heaven. And he speaks about heaven itself. And he says that there are angels in heaven. And he speaks that those angels are crying every day, holy, holy, holy is the God of hosts. God is a holy God. Least we forget that. God is not just an awesome God. God is a holy God. You and I are not as holy as God is. God is the purest of pure. And to allow such a people like yourself and myself to be able to come in his house, in his presence, call on his name, and to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth is a privilege. It's an honor. Every time you wake up on Sunday morning, you ought to be smiling. I don't care if you got pain in your body, you ought to be smiling. Because God didn't have to wake you up. You know, sometimes I feel some of us are grouchy about being alive. Don't you know God has done you a favor by causing you to wake up this morning? Because sure enough, some of you wasn't ready to die last night. But he done you a favor. He allowed you to get up this morning because he knows that you need more work on you. He knows we need more work on ourselves. And he knows the church can do more work for him. And I want you to know that every time Sunday morning rolls around, you ought to be smiling. You know, when you get up to go to work on Monday, some of y'all ain't smiling. But you get up. Oh, you missed that. <laughs> you get up. You don't want to get up. 
But you get up. You go to work with a frown, but you go to work. You stay from 9 to 5. You stay 8 hours, 12 hours, however long they want you there. You stay. And all God requires of us is to get up on Sunday morning and to come to church and worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know some of us got a problem with that? Some of us got a problem how we see God. And so this morning, I hope that this lesson will help some of us on this morning. Hopefully it'll help all of us on this morning. But sure enough, it's going to help somebody on this morning. I want our assigned reader to read Acts 20 and read verse 7 as we dive into our lesson on this morning. The Bible says what, Brother Stelf? And upon the first day of the week. And upon the first day of the week, read on. When the disciples came together. When the disciples or the people of God or the saints or the church of God came together, read. To break bread. To break bread or to partake of the Lord's Supper, read on. Paul preached unto them. Paul preached unto them. Now every first day of the week, one of the examples is that you partake of the Lord's Supper. Every first day of the week. Not once a month. Not twice a month, not six times a year, but every Lord's Day, we ought to partake of the Lord's Supper. And anybody who does it differently is not doing it according to God's Word. You must partake of this thing every Lord's Day. Now watch what he says. He says, Paul preached unto them. That's another example. That in worship, not only we partake of the Lord's Supper, but there's the preaching of God's Word that goes on. Then he goes on to tell us what? Ready to depart. Ready to depart on the morrow, what? And continued his speech. And he continued his speech. Until midnight. Until midnight. Get Revelation 1.10. I don't know when Paul started, if he started at 12 midday. I don't know when he started, but he finished at midnight. Or rather, the Bible says he continued until midnight. Now, of course, um, Paul might have been a long-winded preacher. Some of y'all, y'all probably have, would have been gone long before 12. Amen, anyhow. We don't have the reverence to sit under God's word. But we got more respect for the things of this world. And we'll sit down there for two and three hours and don't move to even take a bathroom break because you don't want to miss what's on the big screen. But if we go over a certain time in the Lord's house, some of us don't have enough reverence for God to sit until everything is completed. Some of us will mess around and leave the church building before the last amen. I wish I had a church up in here this morning. You see, when you do that, you have lost reference for God. What you have to do that is so important, that is more important than the God of heaven, well, you have to get up before the last amen and go to wherever you got to go to. I'm talking about reverencing God. I'm talking about giving God respect. I'm talking about giving more respect than the person that you work for on the job. The Bible says in Revelation 1.10, he says what? I was in the spirit. He says, I was in the what? Spirit. spirit on the what? On the Lord's day. Now must I say, it belongs to who? The Lord's day belongs to the Lord. That's why he says, the Lord's day. He says, I was in the spirit. He didn't say, I had the spirit. There's a difference there. He already had 
the indwelling and the full measure of the Holy Spirit. But he didn't say I had the Spirit. He says I was in the Spirit. That means on Sunday that is something different about our attitude and our action on the Lord's day. That means that on Sunday that the Spirit is not only to be in your life, but he ought to consume your life. He didn't say I had the Lord's Spirit. He says I was in the Lord's Spirit. And I want you to know that when you're in the Spirit, it's different than just having the Spirit. When you are in the Spirit, you are consumed and controlled by the Spirit of God. You want to know why some people are not here this morning? It's because they're not controlled by the Spirit of God. But they are controlled by a Spirit. John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Anytime you remain home on the Lord's day, you have robbed yourself of God. Not only you rob yourself from God, but you have stolen that which belongs to God. Some of us don't really know how deep that is. Some of y'all don't even know how profound that is. When you are given an opportunity to worship God on the Lord's day and you fail to worship him on the Lord's day, you have just stolen something that does not belong to you. To take it as my day. Now, I just think that's just selfish. You give you six. Last time I checked, six was bigger than one. He give you six to do whatever you want to do. Still underneath the control of the Holy Spirit. I don't mess around and you say, we got six that we can do whatever we want to do. You still need to have the indwelling of the Spirit. But he gives you six. And he wants you to go out and do whatever that is that you need to do. But he says on the Lord's day belongs to him. But just a short while, I want to talk to you on the subject title. How should, how should we experience worship on the last day of the year? How should you experience worship on the last day of the year? Now, I want you to think about that. How should you experience worship on the last day of the year? I want to tell you something. Worship is the experience of God. Worship is the experience of God. If I can get you to understand this. There are five acts in our worship. Is that right? Now, everybody don't participate in all five. But there are five acts in our worship. I wonder what them five acts deal with. I, I really wonder why he, he gave us five. And I wonder even more so why he gave us those specific five. Why he didn't give us 
other fives. But he gave these specific fives. Worship means what is God worth to you? In other words, how much is God worth to you? How much is he worth to you? The word worth means value. How much do we value God? Why is it that in some churches that the numerical physical numbers are fluctuating throughout the year? Why is it the numbers pretty much the same every Sunday? I'll tell you why. It is because some people don't value God. God is not worth much to you. Well, you get to choose whether or not. The last time I checked, children don't choose certain things. The last time I checked, you and I are still the children of God. When did God ever allow you to stay home on his day? Let me tell you something. Now, God ain't coming down from heaven. And God ain't knocking on your door. And God ain't waking you up on the morning by shaking you out of your bed. If the Holy Spirit is not indwelling in your life, if he's not controlling your life, if he's not consuming your life, then God can't do nothing anyhow. If the Spirit of God cannot move you out of your sleep, out of your bed, into your clothes, into your car, and down here, God ain't coming. I wish I had a church up in there. I wish you was feeling what I'm saying. Listen. It's how much he's worth to you. I don't know what God is worth to you, but God is worth something to me that I'm going to make it my, let me tell you something, if my car don't start, if our cars don't start on Sunday morning, I don't know, I might have to catch an Uber because my wife might, I probably can't get in her car, but I'll catch an Uber. Amen, somebody, I'll catch an Uber. I'll catch a Lyft. Or I'll take these two dogs over here and I'll start walking to the nearest church. Amen, somebody. But you ain't going to stop me on Sunday morning from worshiping God. <laughs> it's about how much he's worth to you. It's about how much you value God. What is God worth to you? How much? How much is the God of heaven worth to you on this morning? I want you to bring me to my, to my first point there. Uh, so that's note one. That's, go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. Keep going. Watch this here. Note three. Work determines how much you worship. I, everything is predicated on your worth. It, it's, it's about worth. I, I wonder how much you are worth to God. I wonder how much you are worth to God. I wonder how much you are worth to God. Brother Steph, get for me right quickly. John chapter 3, verse number 16. I wonder how much you are worth to God. John 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says if you have it, the Bible says if you have it, John chapter 3. All right, verse number 16. Whenever, just read it off the top of the screen, Brother Steph. He says what? For God so loved the world. For God what? So loved the world. Not God so loved Brother Vilts. 
Not God so loved the church of Christ that meets at Hollywood Street. But God so loved what? The world. I wonder how much you are worth to God. I wonder how much God values you. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his that only. Gave. That he did what? Gave. That he gave. You didn't pay for him. You couldn't buy him. You don't have enough money to buy him. You didn't live righteous for him. For while we were yet sinners, he died for us. For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave. He gave. That word means he freely gave. Willingly gave. His what? Only begotten son. His only begotten son. Now let me just ask you all a question. Your only something. Your only something. Your only monies you have. Your last $20. Would you give it away? Your last plate of food. Would you, would you give it away? Your last piece of clothing. Would you give it away? God took his, his only son. His only son. And you know what he did? He says, y'all are so much worthy to me. I value you so much that I'm going to give freely my only begotten, unique, special son. Have you ever thought about that? God said, I value Stephen Lewis so much that I'm going to give you my son. Have you ever thought about that? He said to Herr Forte, I value him so much that I'm going to give him my son. When was the last time you ever stopped and considered what God has done for you? You know, God is a, is a, is a we say that all the time, God is a good Yes, he is. But I really think sometimes we don't really, I think we take God for granted. I wish I had a, I wish I had a church this morning. I think we take him for granted sometimes. I really feel sometimes like we almost just believe that God owes us life. I really believe sometimes we just think, well, he woke me up yesterday. I know he's going to wake me up tomorrow. Let me tell you something. You don't know that. You, 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 are on a, you are on a prayer and a banana peel to see if you're going to get up the next day. You don't know if God is going to wake you up tomorrow. For God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe it in him. I wish I can deal with that, but I can't. That whosoever believe it in him should not perish. Because some of us Sometimes, oh, we think we're sure enough worthy. And we look across the room and we sure enough think that they ain't worthy. But I want you to know something. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I think when some of us get to heaven, I think we'll be, I think we'll be a little shocked. I think we'll be a little shocked about who you might see in heaven. I think you'd be a little shocked about the woman that you thought would never make heaven a home. I think you'd be a little shocked.
about the fellow you thought that would never make heaven his home. I, I think you'd be a little shocked about the marriage that was struggling down here on earth, but they both made heaven their home. I think we'll be a little shocked. Let me tell you something. Whosoever believeth, don't you ever bypass whosoever because you just never know who will decide to give their life to God. And you never know who God will decide to have more mercy and more grace on than he have even with some of us. But he said, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting, everlasting life. Give me point number one. Let's hasten on here. Worship in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4 and verse number 24. Worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24, the Bible says, if you have it, he says what? God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And they that worship him. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. Sometimes we treat God like he's a man. If I am five minutes late, he ain't going to do nothing. I, I, wish, I wish I had a church this morning, man. I, I wish I had a church. You know, sometimes church, church folk don't do, don't do the preachers right. And all we want you to do is say amen because that way we know you're on the same page. I'm not, I don't want amens because the preaching is so great. I want you to say amen. Brother, I feel what you're saying. It's not about all that other stuff. And when you don't say nothing, I wonder what you're thinking in your mind. Amen, somebody. God is a spirit. Are, are, are you understanding that? Can you see him this morning? Can you see him? Can you see God? No. He's a spirit. You, you can't see him, but, but he's here. And what we will do in the church is we will treat God like he's a man. In other words, we treat him like he's human. The things we do with and by each other, we'll try that stuff on God. We'll hide from one another. And then we mess around and try to hide from God. The same way we treat ourselves is how we treat God. You ain't got to say amen. I know it's right. Because I do the same thing. And you ain't too much different than me. And I ain't too much different than you. And what you need to understand is God is a spirit. Y'all follow me? He a spirit. Ain't nothing you can do, man, that he can't see. He everywhere. And God the Bible says, God is a what? Is a spirit? Read. And they that worship him. And they that worship who? Him. Him. Now, I, I don't want to mess around with that because you got to watch these, these, these spiritualists in the world who try to convince you God is, is both genders. It's male and Let me tell you something. The Bible says, they that worship him. That's, that's the pronoun, him, he. His. That ain't her. And sisters, he ain't got nothing against you because he created you. But what I want you to understand is folk who are talking that other foolishness that God is a woman. Uh, the Bible says they that worship him. 
period. You stop right there. You ain't got to continue on and do nothing else because he already established that. They that worship him. Read on what he says. Must worship him. Watch this. In spirit. Watch this. Must. Must. <laughs> God is a spirit. Amen. And they that worship him must. Oh, I, I want you to hear this. I may not get to the other point. Watch this here. Must. Must. Are y'all with me? Must. No, 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 no. Somebody, somebody ain't on the line. Must. Must. Are you, are you following me? Must. Worship. Read. Him in spirit. Him in spirit. And in truth. He ain't going to accept it no other way. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But we will come up in here another way. Hold on, hold on. But when you come in here another way, he ain't accepting it. So in other words, it's like you ain't even here anyhow. Because he will not accept. Let me tell you something. There are certain things God will not accept, y'all. Y'all remember Nadab and Abihu in Numbers chapter 10 in the Old Testament? When they came with some strange fire and they wanted God to accept strange fire, it was fire, but it was foreign to God. They were supposed to take the coals off of the altar, but they established their own fire. And God says, I know you got some fire, but that's not the fire that I ordained. We got some people up in here. But how you're trying to worship him is not, he it's not how he ordained it. He says, you must. It's up to Brother Vilks to make sure myself is right, ready to worship in spirit and in truth. I can't, song leader, Brother Kemp, was, it ain't on him to get me ready to worship God in spirit and truth. Y'all, it ain't on me to get y'all ready. You ought to come up in here ready. We ought to be on fire when we come up in here. Get out of my way. Get, get, out, get out. Let me take my seat. Come on, song leader. Get, get. Come on, song. We ought to be asking the song leader, please, come on, get up here and start this worship. I wish I had a church up in here, man. I, I know y'all got to forgive me. Just, just, what you, look, I know we start at 10. Sometimes we start at 10.03 and 10. But can you get up at that five minutes early? I'm just ready, man. Come on. Come on, I, come on, five, give Brother Bills five more minutes to preach. <laughs> I know we have to squeeze that one out of you. Must, are, are y'all following me? It's not on God, y'all. That's on us. Must worship him how? In spirit and in what? Truth. Now watch this here. Spirit. Worship him in spirit. This verse is too important for me to just run, run over this morning. I may not get to the other one, but that's, listen. God is a what? A spirit. You know what a spirit can do, man? 
he's a spirit. That means you ought to have more respect for him than you have for anybody else. He's a spirit. And the Bible says those who worship the spirit must worship him spirit and in truth. Now, every time we come up in here, spirit means attitude. That's attitude is the small s. Your attitude. Your attitude ought to be on so much on a spiritual high. Where the church's worship ought to have life. You ought to be, you ought to have life when you come here this morning. You ought to have life in you. You ought to have life. Because all of us are supposed to have eternal life. We ought to have life though. In other words, we ought to have some excitement about being in our worship. Amen, somebody. You ought to be excited. Now, you worship God in spirit, but you can't take away the truth. There are a lot of churches who have a lot of life. There's a lot of churches who have a lot of excitement, but it's not according to truth. God doesn't just want us to be lively and excited. It's about truth. Your excitement must be based upon truth. For the word of God is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You can't just go off of your feelings only. You can't just go off of your emotions only. Because your emotions and your feelings can be wrong. But truth can never be wrong. You know what I like about truth? You know what I like about truth? You know what I like about it? <laughs> it makes no difference what I think about truth. At the end of the day, it's still true. I might not like what was said by way of scripture. I might disagree with it. I might even talk down on it. I may frown about it, but at the end of the night, it's still true. That's what I like about God. He's truth. Y'all remember Jesus? He says, I am the, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Some of us don't want Jesus. You know why? Because we don't want truth. None of us up in here. Live truth all the time. I'll say that one again. Let me see if I can get some help. None of us up in here live truth all the time. <laughs> but God is truth. That's a big difference between me and you and God. That's a, that's a vast separation. Between me and you and God. I mean, you ain't even on God's level. Well, you know, sometimes people try to get on God's level. Y'all ever seen them? They, they try to get on God's level. huh? They try to act so pious. Have you ever been around somebody like that? They just act so pious to the point where you just feel uncomfortable about just being around them. God ain't even as pious as you. Some folk are more pious than God. I like God because God will come down to where we are. 
Sometimes as people, we want to replace ourselves and go where God is. Uh, you have to condescend uh, and meet people where they are. I like God because he's true. And whether you like it or not, at the end of the night, it's still true, man. You can frown about it. You can yip-yap about it. You can chit-chat, give a dog a bone, whatever the case might be. But the night is truth. But I like truth because truth will sanctify you. Truth will save you. Truth will make you spend eternity with God if only if you take it and apply it in your life. So he says God is a spirit and they that worship him must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, now that we understand that God is worth something to us and we are worth something to God, now we understand that we ought to value God. Now we understand how we ought to worship God in spirit and in truth, not just with excitement, but our excitement all must be based upon truth. That means that everything we do got to be based off of the scriptures. And anything God commands and instructs us to do out of the scriptures, we ought to do it with all of our might. When you go to some churches, you know why some people say it's dead up in there? Huh? It's dead because they're dead on the inside. Let me tell you something. When you do the five acts, you ought to do every five acts in spirit and in truth. Worship is, I started in the very beginning, is the experience of God. You know why some folk don't leave the church house changed? Because they didn't experience God in worship. The church leaders are responsible to make sure that when people come to worship, that the five acts are done every Sunday. Somebody come up in here talking about, you know, <laughs> we've been taking crackers and juice, man, for 30 years. How about if we just, just one Sunday, let's, Matter of fact, let's just do let's do it once a month. We can just put it off aside, but Bill, it ain't gonna y'all know Brother Brown ain't gonna it ain't gonna hurt. Let, let's just put it off aside. Now me and Brother Brown would be some foolish guys if we would listen to somebody and convince us to do away with the Lord's Supper and serve it only once a Sunday. Oh, but watch this. Let me tell y'all something. That's what's happening in our brotherhood today. Members are chit-chatting to leaders, and leaders are so spiritually weak that they're falling to the commands and the demands of the people in the pews. Not only they are weak leaders, but they are ignorant leaders because they don't know truth. And anytime you got folk who don't know the Bible trying to lead folk, they're going to lead you straight into a ditch. Blind, blind will lead the blind. And they both will fall. into the, See, when you blind, you don't know who else is blind. Somebody can be leading you who blind. You don't even know it because you blind yourself. And the Bible says they both shall what? Fall. Don't come up here with that business. Talking about y'all come up. Let's do it once a month. Because every Sunday, you walk up in here at 5111 Hollywood Street. You're going to see some cracker when you lift up up in here. You're going to see some grape juice when you lift up up in here every Sunday. Now, when we dead and gone, we ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> ain't got nothing to do with that. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm more sure when we're dead and gone, there's going to be somebody who's going to be rising up somewhere. He might not be here right now, but he's coming. And if you don't know truth, Lord knows what you're going to be serving on the Lord's supper table. In spirit and in truth. You see how much we should value this stuff? You see why they were dying for the cause of Christ? Because this wasn't a joke. Amen, somebody. Worship wasn't no joke. Preaching the gospel wasn't a joke. Those folk were being martyred. They were being killed because for the cause of Jesus the Christ. Because of the cause of the church of Christ. They were losing their life because they were convinced that he was the son of the living God. Watch number two. Give me, give me number two. Give me number two. Let's, let's hasten on here. How should you experience the worship of God? It's through them five acts. You experience them through them five acts. Those five acts all point to God. And some of y'all don't even have the audacity to sing when the song leader or the church is singing. You will sit here with your mouths closed. And then you'll be the first one to say, I ain't getting nothing out of worship. You know why you didn't get nothing out of worship? Because you didn't get, you didn't give nothing. How are you going to expect to get out what you don't put in? You can't even treat your bank like that. Talking about, can I get $100? You got $100 up in here? No, I ain't got $100, but I want $100. Baby, you ain't putting nothing in. It don't work like that. You have to put something in here in order to take something out of here. And God is saying, it's not about you. It's not about what you're getting. It's about what you're giving God. God is a spirit, and they that what? Worship him. Ain't nobody come down here to worship you. All of our attention is placed on who? God. So we experience him through them five acts. Watch this here. When we take of the Lord's Supper, I'll be at point two in just a minute. When we take of the Lord's Supper, I'm telling you, when you do it right, when you do it right, and let me tell you something, you can't do it right unless somebody teach you. And you can't do it right unless you are teachable. That means that you must be willing to allow somebody to teach you. And if you ain't here, you can't be taught. When you take the Lord's Supper, let me pass through this right quickly. When you take the Lord's Supper on Sunday morning, that's one act. But you're going to experience God through that act when you do it right. I take of the Lord's Supper because I understand somebody took my place. No, 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 you, no, no, you got to catch that. Somebody took your place. See, the only thing we think about when we're thinking about the Lord's Supper sometimes, we're thinking about the cross. Y'all, it goes, it's deeper than crucifixion. Jesus took away your possibility to go to hell for eternity. For eternity. Y'all, eternity is a mighty long time. 
when I take the Lord's Supper, yes, I'm thankful for what he done on the cross. I think about the beatings on his back. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was disfigured because of they beat him so badly. The Bible described you beat him so much you couldn't even recognize him no more. You know, you got to beat somebody up real bad to say, well, that's, that's, who is that? That's, you, G, G, that's Jesus? And while they disfigured his body, then they nailed him to the cross. He was on the cross disfigured, y'all. His mama, she didn't even look, he didn't even look like the same person anymore. When I think about the Lord's Supper, I think about all of that. But I don't stop there. I think about he went down in the grave. He went down in the grave, y'all. The Bible says he was preaching. I don't have time to explain some of that. But he, the Bible says he went down there, he was preaching to the spirits in hell. Lord, have mercy. He, he was, see, <laughs> even in death, he was still working. Live such a way that even when you die, the memory of you of you is still alive in somebody else. He went down there and he preached to the spirits. And then he come out of there. Come out of there on the third day according to the scripture. In other words, I don't just think about all what happened to him on the earth, but he got up. And because he got up, there's hope for you and I that when you die, you're going to get up too. We're thankful because of that. When we give of our means on Sunday morning, you know why you ought to give? Because God's been so good to you. He's been so good to you. You know, some people, some people don't, they don't want to give. I'm not talking about y'all who just, you know, you just, you didn't manage your money right. And you bought what you shouldn't have buy. And you're running behind God's bills because you mismanaged your stuff. Because you wanted stuff that you wanted. And then you come up to church on Sunday morning and you ain't got it. Hello, somebody. The plate come by you. You don't put nothing in there. You're like, I want to give. And then we got some brothers who will pray for you up here. You know, Lord, bless those who wanted to give but didn't give. Let me tell you something. They didn't give because they didn't plan to give. Now, they can say what they want when they get up here, but I'm going to tell you like it is. They, did, they don't give because they didn't plan to give. Amen anyhow. How you not going to plan to give something to God? Or you may not give what you want to give them, but you ought to give them something. You should not sit in a word that God's worship and not give him something. The wise men came from the east, and they brought something to the king. And he was an infant, and you claim he's your Lord and your Savior. Oh, somebody ought to say, preach, Brother Bills. I'm just trying to help somebody. You ought to give because he's been so good to you. And then you ought to sing because he's worthy to be praised. You ought to pray because you believe that there's power in prayer. You know why I pray every day? Man, I don't pray for my, for my health. I mean, I pray for my health, but I'm not praying for my health. Y'all follow me what I'm saying? I'm praying because I believe in the stuff. 
Anybody believe? I mean, I'm really. I mean, maybe I'm the only one up in here. I don't mind being the only one who believe in prayer. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm going to take that back. Sister Spears, because she tells me just about every Sunday. Brother Phil, I'm praying for you. So I know she pray. Amen, somebody. I know the old folk pray up in here. Amen, somebody. Brother Young, I know you pray too. And watch it now, preacher. I know you say, I watch it, Brother Phil. So, you know, I pray too now. I, uh, I don't want to get him upset. But I pray, y'all, because I believe in it. And I listen to the word of God. I listened to the word of God. I was at a conference not long ago, Friday night in Mississippi, and I sat down and listened to those guys preach before I preach. And I listened to them guys because I recognized that as a preacher, it is not just good for me to pour out words to somebody else. I got to sit down sometime and listen to somebody else preach to my soul and my spirit. I'm not so high where I am dismissed from the preaching of God's word as well. God's word needs to be able to speak to me as well. So I respect the word of God. I respect it. Why? It is God's word, man. Don't be disrespectful, man, to God's word. That's the word of God. Y'all follow me? It's the word of God. And I like the word of God. You know why? Because it's quick, it's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of your soul and your spirit. It's a deserter of what you're thinking in your head and the intent of your heart. That's deep. Ain't nothing in the world can cut you that deep. Ain't nothing in the world that can get to your marrow like the words of God. Ain't nothing in the world that can get to your soul and your spirit but the word of truth. And I like it because it's able to convict me. And through the convicting of me, it's able to persuade me to change. Well, watch this here. These last two points of this lesson are going to be yours. I know you enjoyed it so much that you don't want me to quit. But I got to quit. I'm sorry about that. I do apologize. Forgive a brother on today. Number two, on the last Sunday of the year, you ought to examine yourself. You ought to examine yourself. You ought to examine yourself. No, you ought to examine yourself. When the last time you ever took a physical? Has it been five years? Huh? I hope not. If it's been five years, you better call tomorrow. You, you better call tomorrow and make that and schedule that thing. Because something might be going wrong in your life right now. You don't even know it. You can feel, you can feel as strong as an ox and be dying. But because you failed to examine, you don't even know it. When you sit in the worship of God, you ought to examine yourself. You, you check yourself out every morning. Yes, you do. You check yourself out. You ladies, you make sure you all look good. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You, you examine, you check, you better make sure you're right. Right? That's what you want to do. You don't want to come out of here, present yourself in an unwelcome uh, manner. No, you want to do it right. So you fix your hair. Amen, somebody. Work with me, sisters. You fix your hair. Brothers, we fix our hair. Oh, Brother Brown, like, I used to fix it, Brother Vils, but I, I do this one. See, I didn't say what hair. You know, you fix your hair. You, you know, you good. 
I think you get the point. If you can fix and examine the physical, why not examine the spirit? You know, one thing I learned is that some people enjoy the examination of others more than having the enjoyment of examining self. I remember Jesus tells Peter, he says, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Why is it that we try to strengthen other folk when we are walking around weak? It's about self, y'all. Save thyself from this untoward generation. Save thyself from this untoward generation. Save thyself. It's about saving yourself first. And then you are willingly and qualified to help save somebody else. When you sit down in the worship of God, you ought to examine yourself. In other words, check yourself out. Look inside your heart. Some people sit down and worship, worshiping God every Sunday, singing up a storm. Got hatred in their heart. Sitting down every Sunday, worshiping God. Just got through fighting with their mama. Every Sunday, worshiping God. You walk around the job nine to five with an attitude, and folk know you just got an attitude, and you come up in here worshiping God. And every, every Sunday. You know why? You're failing to have self-examination. And then you know some of us are self-righteous. We look at ourselves through, the, through our own lens. You've got to look through, through the Bible because it's truth. It won't lie. You'll lie to yourself. I lied to myself. We have the possibility of lying to self, but you can't lie with truth. Even if you disagree with it, it's still true. And when you look into the perfect mirror of God, it'll show you who you are. And when you sit down there, y'all, it's a good thing. When you can sit down in the pews, listen to the word of God being preached. And while it's being preached, you, you're examining yourself. You just examine, you're saying, wow. You know, that's me right there. Wow, man. Wow, you know. Oh, man, I didn't think I was self-examination. You might be what you think you're not. But until you slow down and check yourself out and say, you know, I'm the brother. I'm the one, Brother Bills, who come 26 times a year. I'm the sister who have that nasty attitude. I'm the brother who's always stirring up trouble. I'm the husband who needs an attitude adjustment. I'm the wife who's always grouchy in the house. I'm the son who is disobedient to my parents who have been good to me all my life. That's me. That's what self-examination would do for you. But when you see yourself, the last point, it's called repentance. Repentance. Repentance is changing your mind, period. It is not changing your mind slash turning. It's 
changing the mind, period. Let me tell you what some people do, and they think it's repentance. Well, they do two things. One, they will stand up on Sunday mornings and say, brothers and sisters, I have sinned, and I ask the church to pray for me. And before the day is over, they do the same thing again. Hello, somebody. The old folk call that reporting. All you did is went to Channel 9 and said, can I request, because I want to make a report. I have sinned, and I ask the church to pray for me. They sit down, they leave here, they go do the same thing. That's not repenting. That's reporting. Repentance means I've been touched to the point of change. The word of God has convicted me so much, it persuaded me to change how I feel about that deed or the act. And because I love him so much, I want to change my mind. Second thing, some people try to do something differently and call that repentance. That ain't repentance. Because you might have changed the act today, but if you haven't changed the will to act on, you'll go back to it tomorrow. You can't just change how you do something without changing the source that caused you to be able to do it. I've got to change here. If drinking alcohol is bad for my liver, doc said you better quit. You'd be dead in six months. If what he says don't cut you to your heart, that cuts you so much that it changes how you think about the alcohol. You'll mess around here in six months or less and be dead. It changes here, and then it everything else follows. Repentance is change of mind that leads to a change of life. Just because we save up in here today, some of us, not all of us, does not mean that you don't need to make no repentance towards the end of 2019. You have lived over 300 days. You don't think you done picked something up? No, no, no. You don't think you held on to something? And you can say what you want. I know you've been saved a long time. But you got something you need to repent from. Got to get rid of that stuff. You got to say, no, that's a, it's enough. Godless sorrow, work it. Repentance. If you don't feel that it's hurting God, it will not hurt you. And if it doesn't disturb you, you will not change from it. Some people stop because now, their liver is diseased. They ain't got no choice but to stop. And then some of them are so hard-headed that they never stop. I had an uncle. Liver was towed up from the floor up. One of my dad's brothers. Doc told him, time and time, Tim, you better stop. Tim, you better stop. Tim, you need to stop. 
Tim, you need to stop. Let me tell you something. You can only hear the voice of God for so long. At some point in time in your life, that's it. And I know we take God for granted. But you keep messing around with God. I told you earlier, we treat ourselves like God is a man. You keep playing with God. One day, Halls and Davis will be rolling your body to 5111 Hollywood Street. And the worst part about it is that you would have died in your sins. The worst part about it is Jesus says if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to a place to prepare for you. And if I go, I'll come back and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. But if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot. You can't come. So what you need to repent from this morning? Oh, I know I got a whole, I got, I got some. I may not have ten, but I got, I got some. And I like a one preacher say one time, he said, it ain't like we got a whole lot of sins. You just keep doing that same sin over and over. Hello, somebody. Check your life. Ain't it like you got ten? Ain't no, you, now, if you got ten, now you keep that to yourself. <laughs> if you got ten, keep that to yourself. But I don't, I don't believe you got ten. I think it's just one that, that, that leached onto you. Are we on? I think that's one, maybe two, that have latched on to you. <laughs> what you need to repent from? Change your mind. And you'll stop whatever it is you're doing. And then you'll be able to come up in here on Sunday morning and worship God in spirit and in truth. If you're not a child of God, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ, he's the son of God, being buried in a liquid tomb of water baptism for the remission of your sins. You want to be baptized today for the remission of your sins, we'll baptize you into Christ. You can start the year a brand new creature in Jesus the Christ. Be a part of his family. Be a part of his church. You got sin in your life, you need to make some corrections. You need to say, you know, preacher, I was the person you were talking about in my list. I need prayer. Can the church pray for me? Sit on down and we'll pray for you. We don't want to know what you've done. We don't know what you, what you said. God, God, God knows that already. We don't need to know what it is. All we need to know, okay, my brother and my sister sinned. They need the prayers of the righteous. And because they were bold enough to request their prayer request, we're going to be bold enough and pray in the spirit of boldness to our God for my brother and my sister. You ought to love me enough to pray for me. Amen, somebody. Let me talk to this crowd. They're sleeping over here. They went to sleep. You ought to love me enough to pray for me. I ought to love you enough to pray for you. We ought to love each other enough to pray for each other when we sin or when we stand in need of prayer. It might not even be about a sin. 
It may be about something you're dealing with. Maybe about something you're dealing with within your own self. It may be something you're dealing with 30, from 30 years ago that you just can't shake and let go. It may be something that happened last month that has disturbed your life. It may be something on your job. Maybe something in your marriage. It may be something in your life. Whatever it is, we stand in need of prayer and we ought to be able to pray for one another. I'll put my request in right now. Don't just pray for me on Sunday. Man, I need some prayers on Monday. When I'm not around the church folk. I wish I had a church up in here today. That's why I'm glad when we go to heaven, everybody going to be the same. We ain't got to worry about nothing. And then pray for me on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, y'all pray for me again. And then Thursday, pray for him again. And then Friday, pray for him again. Saturday, pray for him again. Let me tell you something. Because I pray for the church every day. Man, I can't afford. You, how you going to afford to be the people of God and you ain't talking to God? You got to talk to God about, about his people. Say, Lord, be with the church. Be with, be, with, be with those husbands. Be with those wives. I know I need to quit, but I know somebody still want me to preach. I think it's on this side. I think this side want me to preach. I think this side want me to preach. This side, now they're going to fell asleep. Lord, be with, be with brother so-and-so. You know, he's he having a rough time in his marriage. Lord, be with him. You know, be with her. You know, she, she needs a job. She really, Lord, you know she's dealing with some stuff on her job. Oh, Lord, be with sister, be with sister so-and-so. You know that knucklehead son of hers is running her crazy. Y'all following what I'm saying? Man, we can't afford not to talk to God about each other. And this is what God's family is. It's a family. And we need to be able to talk to God about the family. Tell God about it when you can't tell nobody else about it. And if you need prayer today, don't let stuff stop you. Don't let people stop you. Oh, she ain't going to change. Don't worry about people, man. They don't know your heart. While you changing, they're remaining the same. Let God change you. Let him change you from the inside out. Let God transform you. Let God work with you. Spend time with God. Listen to God. As you talk to him, allow him to talk back to you in his word. And when God talks to you, sit down and be still. Let God deal with you. Let him turn your life upside down. If that's your desire, as we together stand and we together sing, why don't you come? Why don't you come? There are some things, all some things I may 